<laughs> Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. a lot of close fights so maybe it is the end 
Uh, I know she's had another draw or majority decision in Europe too. So maybe it's uh, well, or maybe it's just fighting in a neutral territory. But um, you know, it could be she's up there in age. She's fought twice in 2016. That's when you talked about. Oh, well, no, twice is 2016. Then she fought once in 2017 with that draw that you talk about, David. Then she draw. She fought a rematch against Stephanie Ducasso, the same fighter, in 2018. And then she's actually fought twice this year. Once in June 22nd, where she defended her WBC and WBA titles, and then this one in a non-title fight. I agree with you, uh, Lupi, that she only is going to fight for big money. But I don't think. Uh, I don't think that that she um, made big money in this A-rounder against a completely unknown Mexican fighter. So let's see yeah. what happens yeah. there. Now, the same night at the Madison Square Garden in New York, the zone gave us Heather Hardy against, United, uh, against Amanda Serrano. Hardy lost her WBO and her um, undefeated record via unanimous decision. Also, uh, Amanda Serrano picked up the vacant international the interim WBC featherweight title scores there were 98, 92, two times in 98, 91. David, your thoughts on this fight? Well, you know, at first it didn't look good that first round, but then it became the fight I expected, which was Heather Hardy, you know, giving all she could against Amanda Serrano. And, uh, uh, you know, she stayed with her the, the other rounds, but that first round, it was pretty bad. And how she made it, I'll never know. Lupi, what were your thoughts while you're watching? Heather Hardy's a tough woman. Yeah, same thing. Like like David, that first round, I was like, I had it built up in my head. Two Brooklyn girls going for it. And when I started, I was like, uh uh-oh. But then again, once she got past the first round, it was, you know, I mean, it was some nice boxing on Amanda's part. And Heather's tough. Heather's really, really tough. I was really surprised. Uh, I mean, I, I the show previous to this one, I, I thought that uh, Amanda Serrano was going to be able to knock out Heather Hardy. David called it that she was, he wasn't going to be able to knock her out. And like you said, David, that first round, the second and third round, I kind of saw maybe a little bit of trying to survive for Hardy, but then she really tried to win, and that's yeah. what impressed me the most out of the whole fight. Amanda Serrano looked good. She always looks good, but what impressed always me the looks- most is that, that Heather Hardy is a real fighter, and um, you know, I, I believe she's going to come back. I don't know to what extent. I don't think she's going to go back to MMA. Hopefully she gets some good fights out of this, and then she could uh, um, get a little bit more of, a, of money out of her career. Uh, but she looked. Yeah. I, I was pretty impressed by her performance in that fight. Amanda um, looked very smooth, too. She looked very smooth. She looked very yeah. smooth. She looked very good boxing. Um, uh, you know, I was kind of – I don't know. I mean – she looked great. Could she have gone for a knockout in the middle rounds or a little bit later rounds? Could she have pushed the the the, the gas pedal a little bit more? I don't know. Did you see maybe that could have happened, David, or do you think that that was the most that she could have given? Well, I saw I saw in the last round it seemed like she went after it, but uh, she kind of went into a cruise control. Maybe she wanted to have something left because uh, you know Heather. The fact that she lasted might have surprised her. Because uh, Amanda went after her that first round. I mean, she she really went after her. And uh, maybe she she lost a little gas in that first round, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, we may be trying to go for that knockout. Now, on uh, Saturday, September 14th in Guatemala, Maria Michelle Santiso scored a unanimous decision over Cynthia Martinez in a scheduled 10-rounder for the 105 vacant WBC international belt. 
scores there were 192 times in 98-92. And in Virginia, Tori Nelson scored a first-round TKO over Latasha Burden in a Schedule 8 rounder at the one-minute mark. It turns out that that was Tori Nelson's last fight. She she announced her retirement after that fight. She's 43 years old. Good career. Um, let's see if she ends up being retired or if she comes back. I don't think she'll come back. Um, but she ended up announcing her retirement um, after that fight. At the Dignity Health Sports Park on September 14th, we had a little bit of a switcheroo. On our last show, we announced the fight was going to be Alandra, Alejandra Jimenez. And it turns out right after the show, we got the news that, that Alejandra didn't get her visa. And, she, and Maricela Cornejo ended up being the late sub. And we saw that fight, the rematch from last September for the vacant WBC super middleweight title. This time, Desern, Franchon Cruz Desern, defended her title for the first time for his unanimous decision with scores of 98-92 two times and 97-93. Mr. David Avila and myself were in the house. David, um, what did you see? Uh, well, that was the money Sela expected in the first fight. She came to fight this one. In that first fight they had in Las Vegas, I just didn't see it. But in this fight, she, she went in there banging, and she was trying to take out uh, Franchon out. Uh, it was a better fight. Um, you know, Franchon won. I thought she won the fight uh, handily. But Maricela gave her best, and she connected many, many times, much more than she did in Las Vegas. Now, do you think, and Lupe, I'll ask you first, do you think that if, Maricela would have gotten a full camp. We all know that a week before she was out on vacation in Israel. But do you think she would have gotten a, a, a full camp? We would have seen a different result? Or do you think it just didn't matter and French on Cruz is that much better than Cornejo? Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. I mean, Maricela is always working out. She's always ready. You know, she posted on her social media. She's always getting ready. Um I think this time they they knew what to expect from each other. You know, that's why it was a better fight. It was an exciting fight. You know, Maricela had a few good hits. She did have some good hits, David. She had a good few hits, uh, especially that one straight through the middle in the earlier round. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think anything Maricela had was gone by the eighth round. And that left hook in the ninth good was point. everything. Did you see Maricela stumble? She stumbled from yeah. that. Yeah. It, yeah. it, you know, it was Shana, funny that you mentioned that, but yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah Frenchon scores a big. Yeah, she scores a big, uh, big overhand right. I had the opportunity to speak to Cruz Desern after the fight, and uh, you know, she she didn't really call out anything. She said she was ready for anybody. I asked her about Alicia Napoleon, and she said that now with Golden Boy uh, supporting her, that maybe they can offer a big enough uh, purse to get Alicia Napoleon in the ring. And, and that's one thing that Cruz Desern does want is to unify the division. Um, so this was also for the WBO title. So now she has two of the titles. She has the WBC and the WBO versus uh, Alicia Napoleon having the WBA. And then I'm not sure if the IBF is vacant or not. I'll check right now. But uh, that's what she said, that maybe they, that she wants to see if she could get her in the ring and maybe on, on the West Coast. Nice. That would be very good. Um, yeah, I, no. yeah, funny because I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, it's okay, Lupi. Go ahead. You go. No, I was just going to say, Franchon, she's a consistent fighter. She just keeps moving forward and wants to fight the entire fight. She doesn't waste any time. 
You know, I mean, she gets a little wild, but she's definitely yeah. a heavy hitter. That's one thing that I don't like about her style is that she's still kind of like in, in, in amateur mode, just kind of like going out there and it really doesn't, not gauging her distance. There was a lot of holding. Uh, it could have been initiated by Cornejo. It could have been initiated by Cruz. Not so much initiated by Cruz Desert, but I think she kind of like leaps towards the fighter and she ends up under her opponent's arms, you know? And I think that that's something yeah. that they need to work on where she could kind of gauge that distance so she doesn't end up in her arms and, and ends up holding. Good point. Good point. Yeah. On, on Saturday, September 21st in Florida, Chevelle Hellback came back after a five-year hiatus with the unanimous yeah. decision over Silvio Sabatos in a six-rounder at 154 pounds. And on Monday, September 23rd in Osaka, J- Japan, Wakako Fujiwara, I love saying the Japanese name, Wakako Fujiwara <laughs> scored, a, scored a technical decision in seven over Joshi Wakasa in an eight-rounder for, uh, uh, I think it's a Pacific type of title out there, Ocean Pacific, scores there were 67-65 and 67-64 two, time, two times. And uh, the why we mentioned this fight is because it's all-female fight card with four other fights. And I believe that our correspondent from uh, the PriceFighters.com, which, I'm sorry, David, I can't I can't remember her name. Rico. Uh, what is it? Miata. I'm going to write that Miata. Yuriko Yuriko, what's her last name? Miyata. 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 Yeah. She wrote about it, right, David? Yeah, she did. She's a great writer. Yeah, so if you want to catch uh, the whole report, you can go to thepricefighters.com and uh, catch that from from there. Now, I'm going to have Mariana Juarez call in. She's going to be calling. She's expecting, uh, she's waiting for our, uh, our signal to call in, and like I reminded you, her daughter, um, she's a little bit sick, they're at the doctor, so she asked us if we could keep it kind of short, and obviously we will, we're going to respect her wishes, um, but she is, yeah. she has granted us 10 minutes, and with us is going to be WBC Bantamweight Champion Mariana Labarri Juarez, who is scheduled to fight on October 12th in Mexico against Argentinian based out of Miami, Carolina Duer, she's going to be defending her title. Uh, I'll tell you how many times uh, she's defended her title right now, uh, but it's been quite a number. As we remember, we go back a little bit in time. Mariana uh, went up to the bantamweight division after doing everything that she could at 115 pounds, and she ended up facing in her first fight. Um, uh, she tried. She tried, call it, she tried. She tried calling me. Uh, hold on, let me t- give her the number again. <laughs> Um, no, she ended up she fought, in her first fight in a bantamweight. She ended up fighting the the tough um, Daniela Bermudez, where oh, Argentina. Yeah, where Mariana um, ended up. Okay, she says she's calling, so we'll see if it comes in right now. Um, she ended up losing that uh, that fight as her first fight at bantamweight, and then she came back. I'm trying to see if she could. Uh, if it's calling in, uh, it's not coming in. Let's see if it comes in. But she ended up uh, thinking her next fight after that, trying to find it. Give me one second. Sometimes when you're live, when you're live, you go through these things. Wow, she she's fought a lot of times since her last fight. Her last last her last was. Her last loss was in August of 2016, and she's fought since then one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten times. Ten times since their last wow. loss. I mean, I don't think there's a big... Let me tell her. Hold on. Let me tell her uh, that the way okay. to market. She's having a little bit of trouble. She's called before, so I don't know why she's having some issues. Maybe it's calling from the hospital. They always uh, had those lead line walls. Ah, yeah. She could be using her cell phone. Yeah, but Barbie stays busy, huh, David? Like, she's yeah. just. Oh yeah. Working. yeah. She geez. fought after that loss. She fought Irma Garcia, who was 16 and one at a time as a fight. That she beat her by a majority decision. And then after that, she fought Catherine Fiti and at the, at the in Mexico City at the Socalo oh, with like 400,000 people there, and she won that fight unanimous wow. decision. Oh, there she is. There she is. Let me patch her in. Buenas noches, Mariana. ¿Cómo estás? Hola. Muchas gracias por marcar. Ya le mencioné aquí a David y a Lupi, que también es nuestra coafitrona, que eh, tu niña está un poquito enfermita okay. y que lo vamos a hacer muy breve, ¿ok? Gracias, gracias, David. Ok. Entonces, te voy, a, te voy a pasar con David. Yo soy Felipe y te voy a pasar con David. Él va a empezar. Él va a hacer la pregunta, obviamente, en inglés. Yo te la voy a traducir y luego ya yo te traduzco eh, tu respuesta, ¿ok? Perfecto. Ok, go ahead, David. Mariana, hi. Thank you very much for calling. Uh, tell us a little bit about your fight with Carolina Duet. Eh, Mariana, te manda saludos David desde Los Ángeles y te pregunta, muchas gracias por estar con nosotros, y si nos puedes dar un poquito de información sobre tu pelea que viene con Carolina Duet. Bueno, pues nosotros ya estamos listos, estamos en el busca, bueno, en espera de, de nada más que estuvo repasando un poquito la fecha. Eh, no sabían el todavía que era con Carolina es una chica que tiene un gran récord digo ya fue campeona del mundo no una vez sino dos veces la ha ganado peleadoras de gran renombre una de ellas yo creo que la de las mejores para mi en mi opinión es este, la tigresa cuña en la cual yo creo que fue una pelea muy muy dura y, y Carolina salió eh, ganando en esa pelea entonces llegó una rival fuerte una rival con mucha experiencia pero bueno, eh, eh, nada más que demostrarle porque es la campana del mundo y hacer una defensa exitosa en Nueva York. She says that, you know, she's getting ready for a fight. She's been given the date, and she's been given their opponent, who's Carolina Duer, who is not only a one-time previous champion, but a two-time previous champion, and that she feels that she's beating one of the best fighters out there, who is Marcela La Tigresa Acuña. She feels that it's a, she's a strong fighter with experience, but obviously she's looking to win the fight and to uh, make a successful defense of her title. Was this a defense given to her, or was this some... That she chose to fight. Esta defensa, eh, Mariana, ¿se te pidió que hicieras contra esta peleadora o es una peleadora que tú escogiste en enfrentar? Eh, bueno, se buscaban varias peleadoras, pero la verdad, se nos ha dado la vuelta, nos dan la vuelta y, y yo pues también ya quiero subir a Super Gallo, estoy muy interesada en el título Super Gallo, eh, pero bueno, ahorita es la que está en puerta, es clasificada. She says that, uh, you know, they went after a, a various fighters, but a lot of them are, are avoiding Mariana Juarez. But she is very, um, 
She is very uh, uh, interested in going up to 122 pounds and going after that title. So she wants to do this defense and looks good good in this fight, and then and then see what happens after that. Um, what uh, what does uh, Mariana think about the achievements that are happening in women's boxing in the United States? Uh, are there any of these? Do any of these fights fighters stand out for her on what's going on in the United States? Mañana David pregunta de lo que si obviamente tú eres una conocedora del boxeo y sigues el deporte, ¿qué te parece lo que está pasando ahorita en los Estados Unidos donde se está viendo el boxeo femenino un poco más y si alguna de las peleadoras que has visto de Estados Unidos te llama la atención? Bueno, la verdad que hay varias, este, yo creo que se está haciendo muy buen trabajo lo que ya a partir de que se abrió el ciclo olímpico para el boxeo femenino, se han abierto se han abierto muchas puertas y bueno, lo que a mí me ha estado trabajando estas chicas que han sido medallistas ha sido muy bueno al comienzo. Ya ahorita veo de repente que les ponen a una que otra le ponen rivales muy buenas y siguen demostrando de qué están hechas, pero otras que creo que les están haciendo mucho para ser olímpicas, están cuidando demasiado este, sus carreras y creo que no las están enfrentando contra nadie de las que están clasificadas. Yo creo que me interesaría ir a pelear allá. Realmente lo triste de, del boxeo es que yo sigue hasta la fecha, que es el, el sueldo que nos están preparando por tener el título del mundo. La verdad que sigue siendo por abajo de, del 50% del que recibe un hombre, muy, muy abajo. Y eso quizás nos ha detenido prácticamente para poder regresar a Estados Unidos. Pero a eso le habrás por allá que me gustaría enfrentar. Eh, pues eh, hay varias, hay varias. Eh, estoy decidiendo ya subir a Super Gallo y igual usted va a una pelea en, en Pluma. La verdad que, que estoy muy interesada y sé que puedo dar este hacer muy buen papel y no nada más hacer un muy buen papel, eh, sé que puedo salir con la mano en alto. She says that she's very impressed by the work that has been done in the United States, especially since uh, it, the Olympics started and these fighters have been fighting in, in the Olympics. Uh, she thinks that some of the fighters have been facing, uh, some of the Olympic fighters have been facing um, some good opponents as professionals, and some other ones have been, you know, been kind of taken care of as far as their careers. Be, uh, you know, even though they're Olympic fighters, you know, she says that she wants to go back to the United States and fight in the United States, but she wants to see maybe if the purses improve a little bit because she still feels that women are gaining paid, if not less than half, half of what the men do. But she does, would like to fight in the United States, and there are some fighters in the United States that she would like to face, especially if she goes up to 122 and even at 126, which she's willing to go up to as well, and she feels that she could win those fights. Uh, I, this is my last question before I pass it on to Luki. Uh, I was recently asked by uh, uh, some people if if uh, Mariana would consider a Mexico versus Puerto Rico match before uh, she retires with uh, Amanda Serrano. Uh, pregunta David, Mariana, pregunta David que le han preguntado a él que si tú considerarías o, o estuvieras abierta a un combate de Puerto Rico contra México entre tú y Amanda Serrano antes de que te retires. Claro que sí, que ya se había propuesto esa pelea. Eh, no se llegaron a un buen acuerdo los promotores. Eh, yo creo que sería una muy, muy buena pelea. Eh, sé que la verdad que es de esas peleas de calidad. Eh, Amanda hizo un, un muy buen trabajo. Pero ya no es cuestión de que se arreglen los promotores, creo que ya se ha una vez, ellos no quieren, ellos no, ella, el promotor quiere sacarla de ahí de Nueva York, y pues nosotros tampoco 
eh, decidimos ir a pelear en Nueva York, pero por lo que nos pagan, la verdad que es, es ir a dejar esto prácticamente el dinero en impuestos y, y venimos sin nada. O sea, es muy poca la bolsa que nos querían pagar y, y gano yo más aquí en México que llega a hacer una pelea de ese tamaño, yo creo que sería un gran espectáculo para estar cobrando menos de lo que estoy ganando aquí en México. Eh, se les ofreció venir aquí a México, pero pues no, no quisieron este, salir. Y yo creo que más adelante va, va a estar haciendo buenas peleas. Otra de las que ahí está, Katy Taylor. Katy Taylor también me encantaría, es una peleadora que va hacia adelante, que tiene experiencia, pero yo creo que con Desis Torres en la última pelea, eh, eh, vi un poquito, no sé la pila muy, muy cerrada y, y creo que, que, que se podría dar por ahí un buen este, una muy buena pila también. Wow. Uh, she says that, yeah, they talked about it, that she would love to do that fight, that they had actually talked about it before, but the promoters couldn't come to an agreement. Um, you know, they, they offered to bring Serrano to Mexico, and they didn't want to go out of New York, and then they offered for her to go, for Mariana to go to New York, but what, the, what they were offering for her to fight, and after taxes, was too little. She makes more money fighting in Mexico than for what she would have made in that fight for that type of caliber of fight. So, yeah, she's willing to do the fight against Amanda Serrano at one time, but obviously the promoters have to come to an agreement and the, and the money needs to make sense. As far as Katie Taylor, she thinks that she's a good fighter. She thinks that she saw some things in her last fight where it was a very close fight and that maybe that's another opportunity as well that she'll be willing to explore sometime in the future. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Lupi. Okay. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Es muy bueno um, hablar contigo. Realmente Barbie. te respeto todo lo que haces en el sport of boxing. Gracias. So, David, I'm going to ask my question in English so uh, the listeners uh, can... You yeah. can uh, I'll translate. Uh, and I only have one question. Okay, um, go ahead, Lupi. I know you, you have your sister, Lulu. My sister and I are very close, and we feel stronger, like, together, like nobody can touch us. Do you and your sister feel stronger together in boxing and in your life? Eh, Mariana, eh, se pregunta nuestra confesora Lupi, que también tiene una hermana, y ellas son muy, muy, eh, muy eh, cercanas, las, ellas dos hermanas, y pregunta que tú también tienes tu hermana eh, Lulú, la pequeña Lulú Lourdes, y la pregunta es que si... Ella y su hermana se sienten muy fuertes cuando están juntas y, y hacen las cosas juntas. ¿Es lo mismo entre contigo y, y, y Lourdes, no solo en el boxeo, pero también en la vida? Sí, claro que somos muy unidas. Pues, la verdad que eh, se hace siempre un excelente trabajo cuando estamos las dos juntas. Tanto ellas apoyan en mí como yo me apoyo en ella. Y creo que Lulú tiene, tiene mucho talento. Eh, es lo que en, en esta ocasión estamos... Este, ella llegando a una eliminatoria por el título... Mosca, aunque realmente es mini mosca, está pidiendo la división de los moscas, dando una eliminatoria y ya va para un año que simplemente no se hace esta pelea contra Ivette La Roca Zamora. Y no dudo que Lulu eh, salga con la mano alto. Ivette Zamora es una pelea muy, muy fuerte, pero Lulu eh, creo que sabe cómo contrarrestar eh, el ataque de La Roquita y es muy técnica, muy boxeadora. Y pues, no, de, de repente, pues sí, es que nos. nos este, no es como inconformidad, o sí, mejor dicho, es una inconformidad porque eh, ya otras tienen el título plata, otras en interino, eh, peleadoras que pues no, no tienen ni siquiera el récord que Lulú tiene y no han enfrentado realmente a las peleadoras que de renombre, 
pues ya tienen títulos que, que de repente no están peleando con, con nadie, ¿no? Eh, yo creo que ahí este hay, hay que darle una vueltecita, pero no está muy, muy este, firme en su trabajo, estamos haciendo un excelente trabajo las dos, tanto ella se, me ayuda a mis preparaciones como yo le ayudo a ella. She says that yes, they're very close, uh, her and her sister Lulu, and that you know she she looks for her for support in the same way that Lulu looks for support in her. Lulu is about to fight for a title eliminator for the world title at 112 pounds, even though she's at 108. She knows that she has a touch fight against La Roca Zamora, who is a great champion, and you know that they need to keep pushing and. Um, the one thing that that Mariana feels is not fair is that other fighters in that division have like the the silver title and the interim title, and that they don't feel they don't have the same record as Lulu, so they gotta look into that. But they just gotta keep working and and try to get that title from from or that world title uh, opportunity for La Pequeña Lulu. Mariana, yo te voy a hacer una pregunta ya una última ya para dejarte ir para que veas con tu hija. Eh, tienes la pelea con Carolina Dolor el 12 de octubre eh, y me imagino que ya el resto del año vas a descansar. ¿Tu primera pelea del 2020 va a ser en peso gallo o va a ser en peso super gallo? Yo espero que ya sea en peso super gallo, quiero ese título. Eh, hemos estado buscando la pelea, espero ya se pueda ir empezando el año. Y este, yo ya estoy más que puesta. La verdad es que hemos trabajado bastante para subir bien en masa muscular, no subir simplemente nada más por, por subir, sino que se está haciendo un buen trabajo. Eh, nunca he tenido problemas de peso, tanto como problemas para dar el, el, el gallo. Así que el super gallo, este, yo creo que voy a estar en excelente forma. ¿Tú crees que, que te den la oportunidad en tu primera pelea en super gallo para el título mundial? Espero, dicen las reglas del CMB que cuando eres campeona eh, tienes una, eh, la pelea puede ser directa. Ok, nomás déjame dar la respuesta y, y te damos la despedida. Un dame un segundito. Eh, I asked her um, if, uh, if, you know, she has this fight on October 12th against Carolina Dur, everything comes out good in that fight, you know, she'll take the rest of the year off. And I asked her if her first fight at, in 2020 will be at 122 and she says that she expected to be yes that she's working towards getting that opportunity at 122 pounds for the world title that she's working on building up her muscle mass so she doesn't just go up in weight but also with muscle and that she expects that WBC being that she's been with them for so long to give her the opportunity to fight for the world title in her first fight at 122 pounds so with that said I think we should say goodbye to Mariana thank her for being here and um and let her go because she needs to attend to her to her young child. Muchas gracias, Barbie. Muchas gracias, Barbie. Te damos las gracias por estar con nosotros. Ojalá que eh, tu hija se sienta mejor, se recupere muy muy pronto y estamos en contacto. Muchas gracias, un saludo a todos y ahí en California. Eh, espero estar pronto por allá. Muchas gracias y buena suerte en tu pelea. Gracias. Okay, and there you have it, folks. Buenas noches. And there you have it, folks. We have Ms. Mariana Barbie Juarez, who unfortunately we couldn't have her for too long. She usually tries to be with us as long as we need her, but uh, we understand that her her uh, her young daughter, who's a, uh, I don't think she's like eight or nine years old, uh, she fights also. She started a box. Her young daughter uh, is feeling a little bit under the weather, and she obviously has to attend to her because she's a mother. She thanked everybody in California, and hopefully she'll be out here soon. That's what she said. In uh, her last goodbye. So there you have it. You know, Mariana Juarez, uh, three-time world champion in three, well, not multiple-time world champion, but three-divisional world champion. And, you know, she wants to end her career at 39 years old. Well, she doesn't want to end it now, but she wants to end it 
with one more title uh, around her waist. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I honestly, David. I mean, I was talking to somebody over at the. Um, uh, I, I was talking to an executive of um, of Sanford who works for the company Sanford, who's a big time promoter. They have women fighters. They got Jackie Nava. They got um, uh, Anabella Ortiz. They have uh, Araceli Musino. Uh, but obviously, the big crown, the big crown jewel in that in that uh, is Jackie Nava. And he mentioned he was, you know, he he knows about female boxing not as much as he's not an expert, you know, but he knows about it. He works with Sanford. He has to keep up with us with the female boxing. And he said to me, you know, do you think that Laura Serrano is the best Mexican fighter uh, that's ever lived? And to a certain point, she might be. But I think that if Mariana Juarez retired to tomorrow, I think she will go down as the best female, Mexican female bi- fighter of all time. Absolutely. No doubt I think that it, Yeah, although Lara Serrano did a lot for Mexican boxing, I mean, she brought it back. I mean, it was underground, and then she did as a lawyer and as a fighter, did what needed to be done to bring it back to the forefront. And Mexico is one of the most important countries in female boxing. I mean, they show, I mean, Mariana Juarez, fight, every time she fights, is the main event. They show other main events. They show co-main events, female boxing co-main events. I mean, I think they're right up there with Argentina. Um, as far and well, I don't know. It's Japan. It's Japan. Are all the fights in Japan televised, or a lot of them, David? Uh, not all. No, not few of them are are televised. Very few. What would you say is the third? Let's say let's 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 go on the limb here and say that Mexico is number one in female boxing as far as the attention that they give it. Okay, in professional I, not- female boxing. Maybe Mexico, Argentina, and Germany. Okay, so then the third one will be Germany. Okay, but yeah, I would say Mariana Juarez, and and you know he he and then he obviously being from Stanford, he said that if Jackie and Mariana would face each other, um, Jackie Nava would win. I don't know. I mean, I would have to see the details about that. And I don't think I don't think that fight happens anymore, anyways. You know, nobody's talking no, about it. Mean... Neither of them have mentioned it. So I don't think it happens. So with that said, I think if Mariana Juarez were to retire tomorrow, she would be the the number one Mexican fighter of all time. And if she wins that that other belt at 122, she cements it. She cements it. There's, there would be no question whatsoever that she would be the best all-time female fighter from Mexico of all time. Yeah, I, I think that and the fact that she fought in this incredible fight where 400,000 people were there. I mean that who can beat that? Not even nobody. I've never even heard of, of male fighters doing that. So I but even, I don't know. I, I Yeah. But even even just looking at her record, I mean I mean I don't think oh, there's right. anybody I mean, she faced Ana Maria Torres, she lost to Ana Maria Torres, but they they faced each other. She's fought to a draw with Elena Reed. Okay. Um who else has she fought? Let me see. I'm looking at her record right right here. She beat Anaí Torres, who is a tough fighter. Her record is not that great, but beat her. Um, Simona Galassi. Melissa McMorrow. Simona Galassi. Gabriela Bouvier, who were world champions. Simona Galassi was undefeated. Who was that? Ava Knight. Ava Knight beat her, though, but she still faced her. Yeah. Yeah. Gabriela Bouvier was undefeated world champion twice. She beat her twice. Uh, Areli Musinho beat her. Shindo Go, Eva Knight, she lost to Eva Knight. Tenkei Tsunami, 
Rio Togo, and then she she um she avenged that loss. Melissa McMorrow, like you just mentioned, Naoko Fujioka, who she lost to a split decision. Uh, Noemi Bosque, she beat her. Uh, Tamao Osawa, Romina Bermuda, she lost to her. But actually, her run at 118 has been a very strong run. I mean, she lost to Bermuda, yes. but she beat Irma Garcia, who was 16 and one, who's not an elite fighter, but she's pretty good. She beat Catherine Fitty, who was the champion, who had beat the champion, who was... Um, she was the underdog to this fight. She yes, was the underdog Jasmine Rivas. She beat, Catherine Fitty beat Jasmine Rivas for the title, and then Mariana beat her. She beat Terumi Nuki. She beat Alicia Graf. Gabriela Bouvier again. Terumi Nuki, Susie Ramadan. And then right now, uh, her last fight, Daniela Lara. Fernandez, who was 20 and 2, and Carolina Raquel Duero, who's 19 and 5, they're going to face each other. So her run at 118 has been pretty strong as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think she uh, she has to be considered the best, at least in my yeah. opinion. I and think so too. I mean, I mean, obviously, me being from Tijuana and me, you know, being around Jackie Nava. I mean, Jackie Nava is a great fighter, one of the most dedicated, absolutely. one of the most dedicated fighters inside the gym. I've never seen anybody work harder male or female, than Jackie Nava inside her ring. I've been in her training uh, sessions uh, quite a number of times. And that's one thing that I always take from her is that she just works super hard every time that she's inside the gym, uh, in the gym. But, you know, you could say, you know what, maybe Mariana Juarez has won three titles in three different divisions, and they were kind of like, you know, manufactured, for a lack of a better word, you know, you know, but it hasn't been like that. She's fought tough fighters to win those titles. Yeah, she's never said no to anybody. Yeah. Um, so let's move on a little bit to uh, the fight chatter here. And one thing, the, probably the biggest news that, that happened in the last couple of weeks is that Katie Taylor announced that on November 2nd, the same night as Saul Canelo Alvarez against Sergio Kovalev in Las Vegas, in London... She will be going up 140 pounds to challenge for the WBO super lightweight title against Dominican living out of Greece, Christina Linardartu, at 140 pounds. So uh, one of the people, this, this announcement had repercussions because as soon as it was announced, Amanda Serrano in her Twitter, who was believed to be the next opponent for Katie Taylor, um, started mentioning that, you know, what happened to the contract that they had signed and that she would have to meet up with mm-hmm. her lawyer. She actually she actually posted a photo with her lawyer in the office alluding that they had met and talked about certain things regarding that contract with The Zone and Eddie Hearn and the possible fight against Katie Taylor. So, Lupe, what do you think about Taylor's announcement in going up to 140 pounds and not having the rematch against Delphine Persoon and not having the fight against Amanda Serrano, but instead opting to go up to 140 and also your opinion on Amanda Serrano's reaction. Well, you know, I mean, it's like she bypassed them straight out because there was all this talk and Amanda's pretty straight out. She lets everybody know what's going on. So they just, they bypassed her. But at the same time, I think she's got a tough fight with, uh, they call her Medusa, Leonard Datu. She's got a tough fight with yeah. her. I mean, Amanda, she's pretty straight out with everything. She knows how to run her business. She lets everyone know. She she is a big part of her business. So she lets it out there. I like how she lets it out there. You know? 
But she was bypassed. Maybe it'll come back around. I don't know. What do you think, David? You think it'll come back around for Amanda? Well, and I, I, think that, I think one of the concerns that Amanda has too is that what if uh, Katie loses? I mean, she's a, she's the favorite, but Christina Leonard uh, Dadu is no pushover. She could beat Katie Taylor, and maybe that's why Amanda's worried that I'm going to lose this big payday if Katie loses. Uh, maybe that's her concern. That's what I'm thinking. And so she has a point. She has a point in being bypassed. Yeah, I mean, that's a big payday. Um, and I find, it, I find it very interesting because, like you say, David, I mean, Leonardo Arto is no pushover. I mean, she's been in some good fighters. She's the champ. Even though it's a WBO and we know how, I mean, at least I've said it plenty of times here. I mean, the WBO is getting to the point where I'm not respecting it as a, as a world title for female boxers because it's not rated. There's no mandatories. They, they strip fighters mm-hmm. willy-nilly, which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, and we talked about it in past yep. shows, you know? So, I mean, to me, I mean, what's the re- I mean, the only thing that still keeps up for the WBO is the, the, the caliber of the fighters that they, that they have because they have some good fighters that are their champions. But as far as the organization, mm-hmm. as far as the WBO as a sanctioning body for female fighters, out of the four major ones, they're the worst. You can't deny that. So, um, but be, besides the point, that point, you know, you, you're right. I mean, Katie Taylor is the favorite, but it's not a shoe-in that she's going to win that world title against Lena Dartu, especially after what she looked like against Delphine Pursun in their last fight, in a fight that that she fought a fighter that was very aggressive. And Lena Dartu is that kind of fighter, that kind of fighter that's very yeah. aggressive. You know, very as good. far as as far as Delphine Pursun, I don't think we're going to see that rematch ever. I mean, Katie Taylor's not going to go to Belgium and fight. And I find it very hard to believe that Delphine Pursun is going to come out, out of Belgium um, to fight. Because look what happened last time. You know, she got, in the eyes of many, robbed in New York City. Um, so, And she just announced she's going to fight Helen Joseph, uh, a bantamweight, who she's making her go up to 135 pounds. But that's, that's an understandable fight. It's an understandable fight because she is coming off a loss and she's trying to get her bearings back. But, I mean, there are a lot of money, a lot more fighters that she could have faced that were not bantamweights that could have given her a tough fight. Although, you know, even though that. Um, as far as Amanda Serrano and her reaction, I mean, I think it's warranted. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, in the past, they say, Amanda Serrano was saying, well, I don't know if I want to fight. I don't know this. I don't know that. Then she kind of trying to change her tune and said, okay, that's the fight I want. That's the fight I want. And now that she's not having it, um, now she's really making an issue of saying that, that she wants to fight. Not saying that she didn't want to fight, but she said maybe that's not what's next. You know, the money has to be right, even though the contract has been signed and all these other things that she had been saying some months ago. Now, I would imagine that Eddie Hearn and the zone or Eddie Hearn and Katie Taylor have a somewhat of a pretty good contract that maybe didn't have a, a expiration date on that third fight with Amanda Zorano. Maybe didn't say on the contract that it had to happen in the 2019 calendar year, because if that was the case, why would they be doing this fight against Lina Dardo? Unless, Unless there's like a payout 
clause where they could tell Amanda, well, we'll pay you X amount of dollars and we could just forget about that fight. What do you think about that, David? Have you heard of that before? Uh, yeah, I've heard of that uh, before. Uh, I think in this case, it just says as long as they fight Amanda by this a certain date. And I, I came across that. Eddie Hearn said that, I think, on Twitter. So they're saying that as long as they fight Amanda, I think it was by February or March, that they're they're abiding by the contract. So they have the right to fight whoever they want in between that. But Amanda's team is saying that, no, you said that you were supposed to fight us next. So that that's the the problem. But they could buy her out if they want to. I'm sure I'm sure Amanda would take a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, to buy her out. You know, don't not have to fight her and get a hundred thousand dollars. I mean and, and I agree with you about the date that she had to fight her by a certain date. I'm just wondering if that date was December thirty first, twenty nineteen. Uh from what I saw on Twitter it was supposed to, it was sometime next year, like February, okay. March. Okay, well, there you have it. Now, um, I don't know if you guys got a chance, Lupi and David, to see a very interesting, I mean, I think it was for me this interesting, yes. <laughs> you saw that exchange between, yeah, what's the manager's what's the, what's the name, David, uh, the one that has all those fighters Brian from the Cohen? East Coast? Brian Cohen. Brian um, Cohen. Yeah. That's right. Did you see that exchange, David? Yeah, I did. I did. Let, before oh, before we give our, before we give our thoughts, you know, for those people that are listening uh, that didn't uh, uh, see it, it was on Twitter, it was on social media, whereas at the, at the press conference in England where they were announcing the fight between Katie Taylor and um, Christina Leonardo, um Brian Cohen, at his, at his chance at the podium or at the mic, uh, started kind of questioning Eddie Hearn, to put it mildly, why there wasn't a rematch clause for the fight. Tater, if Cater loses, there is a rematch clause. If Linazardu loses, there is not, which is a very traditional and um, basic contract when you have a, a, a star of the caliber of Katie Taylor, who is the one that brings in the money and is the world champion, is a name, just like Canelo and just like Golovkin and other fighters out there, that if the, if the star loses, there's a rematch. If the non-star, the B-side loses, who Linazardo is in case, there is no rematch. And Brian Cohen was kind of bringing up the fact that it was kind of disrespectful because she is the champion and that she should have the right to have a rematch clause. Um, but with that said, let me give my opinion first. It was not the right time or the right place to have that conversation. I mean, that conversation needs to be had when you're negotiating the fight over the phone or in person or whatever the case may be. You write it into the contract that you get sent or whatever the case may be. And now that is the decision of the promoter to either include it or not. And if you don't agree with it, then don't sign the contract and don't have the fight. The only reason that they said yes is because this is a big profile fight and they're going to get the biggest person of their career. And that's why they said yes. And by getting the biggest person of their career, you got to give some stuff up. And that's one of the things you're going to have to give up. So that wasn't either the place or the time to have that kind of conversation. Do you agree or disagree, uh, Lupi? I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. Um, I also thought that um, Eddie Hearn was quick in, in his reply when he said, you think you're going to lose? You're afraid you're going to lose? It was, he was fast. But yeah, David? I don't think the time is a place. 
Well, I think uh, Brian was doing his job. I think he's protecting his fighter, protecting his team, and why not? Why not go for, for it all? You know, I mean, maybe, maybe, well, maybe he could have done it before, or maybe, well, maybe he's playing, he's playing a game of chess because maybe he knew that if he argued that he might lose the fight, so instead of just bowing out, I mean, he said, I'll sign the fight, he signs it, and he took the opportunity at the press conference because he knew that might be the only chance he could get to to get it on paper for a rematch. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, you're right. He's, you're right. He's and you got to hand it to him. He brings it out there in front of everybody. Yeah. Well, he, I think he was trying to take a page out of the Andy Reese, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, playbook. And after signing the options for Anthony Joshua, you know, saying, oh, I'm not going here, I'm not there, going there. And he made so much noise, the squeaky wheel gets the grease that he ended yeah. up getting paid more money for that fight in Saudi Arabia. Maybe Brian Cohen is is uh you know trying the same tactic but true you know the levels of of the levels of money and fight importance and and it's apples and oranges i mean on one hand you got anthony joshua the face if not one of the faces of the whole sport and and then on the other hand you got katie taylor and christian leonardo because you know you might say that anthony joshua doesn't have any other options but to have a rematch with Andy Reese to get those belts back. Taylor has plenty of options. She can go back to 135. She can fight Amanda Serrano. She can fight Delphine Pursun. She doesn't have to fight. She can fight another champion at 140. She doesn't have to fight Lina Zartu. Mm-hmm. Very true. You know, so, I mean, I see what you're saying, David. I, I see she could fight for the vacant IBF title. She could she, they could put anybody to fight Katie Taylor for the vacant IBF junior welterweight title. I mean, I see what you're saying, David, that he's trying to fight for his fighter, but I don't think it's the right time and place. I mean, he should have had that conversation before they signed the contract. Once he signed the contract, Eddie Hearn doesn't matter because I got the contract signed. We're done. Unless you're you, you're going to claim you got hurt or you broke your hand or whatever the case may be, you better be in that ring on November 2nd or there's going to be repercussions. So, but he put um, it out there. He put it out yeah, there put so it, that way, if it's a close fight, they'll have a rematch. Well, that's a good point too, as well. That's it. But I think that's going to be a rematch that's going to be d- demanded by the by the by the audience or by the market, if you want to put it in those terms. True. You know, not so much by a piece of paper. Because if it is tough, he she might move on. You know, if Kay Taylor True. lose, if it if you, just as she like did with Delphine Pursun, I mean, after the fight, Taylor said adamantly that you know that she wanted to have the rematch she wanted to prove that she won the fight and now just recently on boxingseat.com they had a, an article saying that Katie Taylor said um, that it's disgusting for people to say that it was a robbery the result of that fight against Delphine Pursun so things have changed in the what was it three months since that fight on June 1st yeah yeah there might be other issues too I, I just think they'll be pursuing. There's no way, no how that she gets out of Belgium unless, I don't know. I mean, they must have offered her really good money to go to New York, so they're gonna have to offer her double. And, and why go that far? I mean, at the end of the day, Katie Taylor has the title, and give she fights. She if she beats Lena Dardu, and then she drops down. And I'm not. I know I'm not saying that name right, but nobody's correcting me. I don't know who would say that right. So if she fights, if she fights, if she beats Lena Dardu. 
and then goes down to 135 and beats Amanda Serrano, who's going to remember Delphine Persoon? True. So it doesn't Very really true. matter. Now, no. let's move on to hey, the Felipe? upcoming. Go Felipe. ahead. You, yes, ma'am. You can just call her, you call her Medusa. That's what I do. Medusa, I don't know. Yeah. I her last name, I, I think that's her nickname. Yeah, the last name's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I, I won't and it's not, and the, it's got to be French because, the no, because I don't know, it could be French because Republic, the, the little little geography here, Republic, the Dominican Republic shares the island with Haiti, and Haiti exactly. was colonized by the French. So they have oh, French yeah. last names and things like that. So she might be like right on the border. Yeah. Her dad might be Haitian. Her mom might be re- the American Republic. And at the end of this, she lives in Greece. How does that happen? It's crazy. Maybe we should try to get I her on, man. Well, yeah, we should probably to... do. We probably could get her on. Yeah, let's try to get her on. I mean, if she speaks Spanish, oh, I can Brian, translate. Can. Speak English. Yeah, uh, let's try to get her on because I want to see how she ended up in Greece. You know, just like um, Cecilia Breakhouse, who is Colombian. She told us her story. She told us her story here, right? She did. Yeah. She was on it was with us. Yeah, she told us her story. You know, she was adopted by a great uh, Belgian. Uh, is it Belgian? Holland. Holland? Uh, no, Norwegian. Nor- Norway. Norway. Nor- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by a great Norwegian couple. Adopted her and her brother, who's also a Colombian native. Um, and they just raised them as their own out there in Norway, wow. which is a great story. I don't know if Christina Lina Dartu or Medusa is the same story, how she ended up in Greece. I would love to find out. Um, let's move on to the upcoming calendar. This Friday, tomorrow, and we're going to touch bases right here, Saturday, I mean, sorry, Friday, September 27th, in London, Nicola Adams defends her 112 WBO title against Mexican Maria Salinas. And if you don't remember the story, I'm going to tell you the story. So the WBO champion is Areli Musino, who by winning that title goes into the record books by being the only Mexican fighter to capture all four different titles, the four major titles at, at different times. She didn't unify. She wasn't undisputed. But at one time or another in her career, Areli Musino was the WBC champion and then another time she was the IBF, another time she was the WBA, and then this last run she was the WBO. So they were supposed to fight in March. Nicola Adams hurts her shoulder, I believe, or her rotator cuff, and the fight gets canceled. Supposedly it was supposed to be postponed and gets canceled. Um, was it before or after that that she fought and they awarded her the interim WBO? I know she was before. She she won the interim WBO title, and then she was going to fight for the full-fledged title against Mucino. Adams gets hurt. They cancel the fight. So in the so then Mucino, as she's getting ready for Adams, she fights, and she hurts her hand. And right after that, she gets in a car accident and breaks her ankle. Okay? So the WBO and their unexplicable logic and reasoning by, I would imagine, the president of the organization, Paco Valcarcel, from Puerto Rico, decides to strip Arely Musino and make Nicola Adams the full-fledged champion. Wasn't Nicola Adams the one that got hurt in the first place and was not able to challenge Musino? 
So let's say, let's give the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, so Adams heals and now is ready to challenge for the full flex title. But now the champion can't defend because she broke her, she hurt her hand in the fight and she broke her ankle in a car accident. Is that you? Mer- is that enough merit to strip her of the title? Nope. Anybody? Not fair. No, I don't think it's fair. David, you think it's fair? No, absolutely not. I actually sent some queries to the WBO. Haven't received any reply. What a surprise! <laughs> what a surprise! Now, so now that Nicola Adams is recuperated and healed. She's a full-fledged champion, and she'll be having her first defense against Maria La Polvorita Salinas, who is experienced. She's fought for world titles before, never has become, never has been a world champion. But she's in England now, ready to challenge Nicola Adams for that title. I tried, honestly, I tried contacting Arely Mucino, um to get some kind of remark, um, but she didn't get back to me. I, she's, she's in Puerto Rico. She's in love. Um, she's she's dating um, the former WBO junior flyweight champion uh, Tito Acosta. So she did she didn't respond. She had responded be, before and now she didn't respond. Maybe she didn't want to answer. I didn't even pose the question. I just said hi and then posed the question. I was gonna pounce on her with the question if she responded, but she didn't. So maybe when she gets back, she's not she's not training. I've seen pictures of her in a cast on one of her ankles. So she's not training. She's just supporting her uh, boyfriend who is fighting soon um, at 112 pounds. So we'll see if once she gets back on the rhythm of things, she's uh, willing to respond and get on the show with us and answer all these questions. So maybe she could give us some insight. So on Friday, September 27th in London, Nicola Adams fighting Mariana Salinas in a 10 rounder at 112 pounds, defending her WBO title. Now on Sunday, September 29th, in Mexico City, Sulina Laloa Munoz, former 115-pound champion, comes back, and she'll be facing Sandra Hernandez in a keep-busy fight in a 10-rounder at Bantamweight. So Sulina Munoz is going up to Bantamweight um, to try to hopefully seek a, a, a title there. And who could she face? None other than our guest today, Mariana Juarez, who... Between them, there's some bad blood. They had talked about a fighter 115 pounds in the past, and it never got made. Um, and there was some trash talking between both of us, uh, between both of them, um, prior to that fight uh, when it was being talked about. So, would it would would there be an, uh, another opportunity at 118? Who knows? I mean, if if Mariana feels she needs to make another fight at 118, uh, why not? Or with Mariana Juarez's clout. Why not even push Selena Munoz to go up to 122 and let that be her first fight at Super Bantamweight? I mean, just so Mariana can feel good at that weight. doesn't matter how Selena feels in that weight. It's all about Mariana Juarez at this point. So on Friday, October 4th in New Zealand, Giovanna Perez goes after Claire Hefner in a 10-rounder. She's going to be defending her Get, you guys want to guess what sanctioning body has a, a title at 175 pounds? <laughs> the only the only four the only major four that has the title at 175. Everybody goes from 168 to heavyweight. Nobody has heavyweight except for the WBC. And now she's at 168, anyways. But do you want to guess who's reaping the rewards of the sanctioning fee at 175 pounds? Anybody? 
<laughs> exactly. The WBO, Joanna Venice from New Zealand, will be defending her title against Claire Hefner at 175 pounds, the only title out there for female fighters at 175 pounds, and it's none other than the non-ranking WBO. And in Poland, Ewa Bravica will go against Soledad Matisse. This is not being... Uh, at least on BoxRec, is not listed as a world title fight, but Ewa Bradica is the WBO uh, featherweight champion. So I would imagine that Soledad Matisse, a former featherweight champion for the WBA, is going to go all the way to Poland to fight for a world title and not just to fight. So I'm going to guess it is for the WBO title, and that's on, on October 4th, which should be a pretty good fight. Ewa Bradica, world champion, against the former world champion, Soledad Matisse. And if you don't know, Soledad Matisse is yeah. part of that. Argentinian Matisse clan, where the mom, the dad, the older brother, the sister, who is Soledad Matisse, and the brother are all fighters. All wow. professional fighters, I think. I think. I don't know if the mom was pro. I think the mom was amateur. But the dad, I think, was pro. The older brother was pro. His name is, um, oh, what was his name? Walter. Walter Matisse. And the younger brother yeah. is Lucas Matisse. Obviously, everybody knows him as a former world champion at 140 and 147 pounds. So the whole family is our fighters: mom, dad, and the three, uh, the two brothers and the sister. So so that Matisse is going to be traveling to Poland on October 4th. She probably well, I don't think she's there yet um, to challenge Ewa Bronica for the WBO 126 pound title. And on Saturday, October 5th, in Flint, Michigan, this is going to be. Broadcast live on Showtime, we have none other than Miss T-Rex Clarissa Shields facing Ivana Havazin for the vacant WBO and vacant WBC Diamond Super Welterweight title. David, give us your thoughts about this uh, fight. Uh, Well, you know, it's a challenge anytime you have to drop weight because uh, Clarissa is going in reverse. Instead of going up in weight, she's going down which to me is harder, and uh, we'll see how she feels. Uh, according to what she said, uh, I was in a press, telephone press conference call, and she said she's been feeling pretty good. You know, she's very close to the weight, and that she still felt pretty strong, and uh, she's got somebody who's been fighting at that weight, so it's going to be tough. Uh, we'll see. Um, the girls are quicker. Most of the competition she's facing is going to be quicker at 154 than 168. Or 160, so it's going to be more of a test. But she she has some. I was looking at her Instagram, and she had some really good sparring. She's got uh, the the mm-hmm. the old uh, Melissa uh, Hernandez, and she's got Hannah Rankin, and she's got yeah, yeah, exactly. Some terrific sparring over there. <laughs> yeah, now, they both of them have some good sparring. Yeah. Because as I mentioned, Lupi, that uh, Habazin is training out in places, and she uh, pulled down um, uh, Raquel Miller, among others, and took him over to Colombia to be part of her. uh, Yeah, Callie Reese to be part. Callie Reese, Raquel Miller, and a couple other fighters are out there, or they were down there in Colombia, helping Ivana Habazin get ready. Alicia Baumgartner. She went down there as well. Yeah, yeah, Alicia Baumgartner. So they have some good camps. Yeah, they got yeah. some good camps. So you can't, you can't, you can't um, say that both fighters are going to be one hundred percent prepared 
for this fight. And it's quite refreshing because Havazin is taking it seriously. I mean, she knows that a win over Clarissa Shields means everything for a female fighter at this level. I mean, there's no bigger name in the United States in female boxing than Clarissa Shields. I mean, hands down. You know? Absolutely. And then and then as far as um the team that she has behind her, I mean we had last on our last show the her her co manager and the architect of what's going on with her and her rise to the top as a pro in Mark Taffet. She has a great uh former world champion as a trainer, John David Jackson, and obviously other people you know, she has a strength and conditioning coach. She has a nutritionist that Mark Taffet mentioned to us in our interview with him, getting her ready for 154 pounds. So, you know, a win over her means everything and puts Ivana Habas in, in, in the right time at the right – well, it puts her at the right spot if she were to beat Clarissa Shields. Um, so for her to, um, you know, put this team together to have the right sparring, I think uh, – means a lot and says a lot about how well she's getting ready for this fight. Yeah. And she has Hannah Rankin there too, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hannah Rankin. Hannah Rankin is also scheduled for that fight card. I, I don't think it's going to be broadcast. Her fight is not going to be broadcast on Showtime, but she is going to be fighting in a scheduled six-rounder against Erin Tuffhill uh, at 154 pounds. So, um, you know, when thinking about it right now and seeing who Hannah Rankin is fighting, obviously the the crown everybody wants to go at that weight class. I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, Anna Gabriel's, and we're talking about maybe Cecilia Breakout's going up to to a 154, and Raquel Miller has mentioned, and there's bad blood between Raquel Miller and Clarissa Shields, and then you know even you want to throw in the mix. You know, a rematch with Franchon, Cruz, Desern, and and uh, and, Maris, and maybe throwing Maricela Cornejo in there. Say again? There's also the girl from Poland, the actual WBC belt holder, uh, Iwa uh, Piatkowska, who, uh, who's a pretty good fighter. Most at 154? Oh, yeah, Iwa Piatkowska. Yeah. Uh, you He's know, having him, yeah, the IPF uh, champ at 154, Marie-Yves DeCary from Canada, undefeated, no knockouts. Yes. But 16 and 0. But seeing uh, Hannah Rankin, you know, why not? I would love to see a fight between Hannah Rankin and Raquel Miller. Like Lupe has said in the Lupe has said in the past, like maybe Raquel Miller needs to step up. That's the fight that she needs to step up to. You know, let's see how Hannah Rankin does against Erin Tuffhill. Raquel Miller beat her, dropped her, stopped her. Um, dropped her a couple times and then stopped her to win the NABF title. So let's see how Hannah Rankin does against her. And if it was, a, it's a good showing. Why not make that fight? I mean, Lou De, who has? Uh, yeah, Lou DeBella has Raquel Miller. Uh, Salida Promotions yeah, yeah. has Hannah Rankin. I think that's a great co-main event for like the next Clarissa Shields fight. And the other one that's going into that division at 154 is uh, Maricela Cornejo. She, yeah. she hasn't really advertised it, but she's at 154. And she and she beat Aaron Tuffield too. That was a very close fight. A lot of people saw Aaron Tuffield win that fight, but Cornejo got the win. So there's a there's a common opponent there in Aaron Tuffield with with uh, Hannah Rankin, Raquel Miller, and Maricela Cornejo. 
Absolutely. Okay. And lastly, in the uh, in the uh, upcoming calendar on Sunday, October sixth, another fighter who could be a, a, a name in that 154, 160, 168 is virtually unknown, but we've been mentioning her here for a while just because she's undefeated and she's fought some good fighters is Emma Kozin, who will be fighting in Slovenia on October 6th against Maria Lindbergh in a scheduled 10 rounder at, yeah, at 168 pounds. And that's for the vacant IBO and WIBA world titles. So those are a little bit more of a fringe titles, but uh, oh, but yeah. she's 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 keeping busy. Lindbergh's no joke. She's pretty good. Yeah, so it's, we're gonna see. And we saw that Emmett Colson had a tough fight against Iraiz Hernandez, who also gave a tough fight to um, Alejandra Jimenez. So um, we'll see how much she has developed uh, Emma Colson in fading facing Maria Lindbergh. So let me just recap real quick the upcoming calendar. Tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, uh, I think it's going to be on the zone. Nicola Adams, Maria Salinas for the WBO Flyway. On Sunday, non-televised, Solina Munoz in Mexico City. On Friday, October 4th, 175-pound WBO champion, Giovanna Perez, defends her title. And in Poland, I'm sure that hopefully we can find this fight on YouTube afterwards because I really want to see it. Ewa Branica against Soledad Matisse. This one definitely televised in the United States, October 5th on Showtime. Clarissa Shields, Ivana Havazin, and uh, non-televised, maybe on like a Facebook or YouTube Live, Hannah Ranking against Aaron Tuffell. And then lastly, in Slovenia, Emma Kozin against Mary Lindbergh on October 6th. We're going to be talking about all these fights, any uh, more fight chatter that comes up in the last two weeks, and maybe we'll have a special guest. We're not going to name it. But uh, maybe we can close with a very special guest that we haven't had on the show quite yet on October 10th, which is the date for our next show. Any closing comments, Lupi? Um, no. We have a great week of some good fights. See you in a couple weeks. Davis? Um, the Eva Brodnika fight versus Matisse, we have a reporter that's covering that fight. Perfect. Poland, so we should have somebody covering that. Uh, oh, great. So we'll have a report on thepricefighters.com where you can find all your news regarding yeah. female boxing, and we'll see you here on our next show on October 10th on the blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. Your hooks and jazz look at the female fight world. Have a good night, everybody. So long, everybody. Good night. 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 Good night.